and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's package is all about billionaires. And on the cover is uh, Mr. Ashwin Desai of Aether Industries. Joining me to talk about his cover is Forbes India's Manu Balachandran. Hi, Manu. Always fun talking to you. Nice to have you. Hi, Abhishek. Thank you so much for having me. Good to good to hear you. One. Good to have you yeah. again. And, uh, and before we dive into uh, Mr. Desai and... Uh, what he's been doing over the years. What does Aether Industries do and what is its standing among peers? So Aether is a company that went public last year and it's actually on the back of a good rally that they've had on the bosses that, that Mr. Desai actually managed to be on the billionaire's list this time. They're basically manufacturers of specialty chemicals. So what they make is components such as 4-MEP, MMBC, DVL, you know, these are these are basically ingredients that are used in pharmaceutical sector, in the agrochemical sector, photography, and these are areas where these specialty chemicals are being uh, used. And Aether is a company that manufactures those. Uh, it's not that Mr. Desai has, uh, he, while he built the company, I think in 2013, he has a long history with, with specialty uh, chemicals. He used to run a company called Anupam Rasayan and then they split and then he ran that for 36 years split and then he started this company over the last uh, and and has been running it over the last decade and for a company that is uh, a little over a decade old I, it's it's a bit of an achievement then would you say that uh, it's already uh, the founder is in the billionaire list 100% and i think it's phenomenal uh, what struck me and i don't know if i've mentioned this in the story is that uh, during you know in a time when you know startup founders go crazy after private equity you know funding ether is a company that didn't uh, that didn't take any money from private equity in the 10 years that they ran before they went public post the split and then he used all of that money into setting up ether uh, something that he told me is you know he doesn't he didn't use that money to buy farmhouses <laughs> didn't use that money to buy vehicles, you know, to set up to invest in mutual funds. Uh, these were not things that that he was fascinated by. Instead, he used all that money into uh, setting up the business. And mm. at, at heart, he calls himself a technocrat. He calls himself somebody who's extremely passionate about technology and chemistry as a subject. Uh, that's right. something that he had studied. Chemical technology was uh, something that he had studied while he was in college. So that's that's where all his passion lies. That's where he put all his money uh, into R&D. And uh, like they say, you know, the end result uh, is something that uh, nobody really expected, but it's done phenomenally well for them. He appears to be a quotable uh, person as well. I read from your story that he says, there are two types of people in this world, those who are brilliant and those who are hardworking. I belong in the second category and I take pride in that. What was the context to this, uh, Manu? Right. And what did you make of him when you spoke with him? I think I think he's been extremely modest. I don't think you know you can achieve all of this without having a sound brilliant mind. Uh, but he was being very modest about you know all of this coming his way only because of hard work. But clearly, you know, back in the day, you know, when he finished his class twelve, something he told me was that, and this was all in context with you know when I was asking him about his education, early days, and things like that. His father was a first generation entrepreneur. They set up an umbrella business. And then uh, when he wanted to study uh, post his 12th, you know, he got admission into, he mentioned, into almost any college of his choice. Uh, and he hails from Madhya Pradesh. In fact, one of the best colleges was some uh, 10 minutes away from his house. But instead, he was so passionate about studying the subject of chemical technology. Uh, he went off to uh, Institute of Chemical Technology, also, which was earlier known as University Department of Chemical Technology in Bombay. 
uh, that's where he studied and then came out and then spent two, three years doing odd jobs before he started his own company at Anupam. But clearly, I mean, I don't think uh, even to even while he started out with initially with uh, with creating the first sort of uh, ingredient, um, he said, you know, they had to go find a farm some few kilometers away from Surat because uh, it's, it's, it's sort of very highly toxic and things like that. And they had to do it in a sort of an abandoned uh, farm village space where there were not too many people. So that's how that's how he started out. So clearly, I think it's a mix of hard work and of course, I mean, having a brilliant mind. And also, uh, you mentioned briefly where he calls himself a technocrat and uh, he says that he's still a core engineer or a technician. So that itself might bring in a different kind of management now, uh, wherein it's it's not only about having a, a degree from a, a management institute, but uh, knowing that you can roll your sleeves up and uh, get your hands dirty, while especially in a business as technical as his then. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I think he's very proud of the fact that he... He's a technocrat. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, not obsessed with creating money or, you know, creating wealth and all of that. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's that passion for chemistry and, and, and a mix of chemistry and technology that is driving him. And I think that is one of the founding principles also for Aether when he set out to start this new company. He broke away from uh, Anupam Rasayan when he started uh, Aether. He mentioned, you know, the core at the base of all of this was the focus on technology and chemistry. And that's something that they've captured very well over the past 10 years. And they've got a massive clientele now, I think about, um, I don't know, I think about 200 odd multinational companies that work with them and uh, they have different lines of business. Right. And also uh, he credits uh, uh, some of his success to uh, a little bit of luck, was it? When in 2016, um, when they entered the market with uh, uh, one of their products, uh, the, there was a downturn in China uh, due to a host of issues, including yes. was it pollution safety? And then, you know, they, they snagged that opportunity then. Absolutely. And of course, I mean, he credits that to his luck, but I think they also created, they built that luck because in that three years that they worked from 2013 to, uh, you know, 2016, of course, I mean, there's a lot of focus on Make in India, you know, Admanabhar Bharat and things like that these days. Those were initial days, but he spent those three years uh, just entirely focused on R&D. As a result of that, they could get the products that they really wanted that could capture the market. It so happened along the same time that, you know, there was a lot of concern about pollution, work conditions and things like that in China. And, you know, a lot more focus into how they were functioning there, which helped them. And and something that he mentions is that he exports uh, some of the chemicals to China. And China, of course, I mean, was one of the, continues to remain one of the largest manufacturers of uh, specialty chemicals. But as far as certain products are concerned, he, he exports them to China. So I think it's about identifying the product. And of course, I think luck and fortune favors the brave. So that I think was the case uh, with Mr. Desai. And also the industry itself uh, is uh, growing in size, isn't it? I think you quote a few figures from McKinsey. India's share in the global chemical sector could triple uh, to 10 to 12% by 2040, which is uh, an additional 700 billion market value which is huge then right now that number is at about 170 to 180 billion so so the growth opportunity there is is phenomenal and you only have select number of players in that space right now as far as exports are concerned there, there could be a potential for 10 times more exports in the whole specialty chemicals business so so the opportunity is massive and of course as we you know as post-covid there's been a lot of talk about you know supply chain constraints and people not wanting to just focus on one country and as as they want to sort of move away from china into newer newer markets india is actually well poised it's in that 
niche segment that they can play well either so any any expansion plans on the anvil where they will be acquiring more or is it that uh, where, where do they go from here after having a spectacular run uh, in the uh, on, on the market uh, i think i think they're well poised they they've had a good run so far they've got the right products so far in place but something that he continues to focus and something that that he spends a lot of time is still on r&d so that means creating newer products where they see massive opportunity they are on a spree right now acquiring land to set up more uh, manufacturing facilities something that's very interesting about their line of business is that you know unlike other other specialty chemical businesses or as has been the practice in india where you go do things in the r&d and then you take it to the manufacturing what they do here is post the r&d they have a pilot facility pilot lab and how that helps them is that because when they want to manufacture at such a large scale it helps them understand the nuances of manufacturing and there are no problems really associated when they manufacture at scale also secondly when they manufacture in small doses it also helps them cater to the smaller requirements of the clientele so that has helped them you know have a phenomenal run they will continue to do that they're acquiring more land and they're looking to invest uh, a blowback money that they're generating uh, in their business into uh, into the business once again and i think in the next two years they will have to reduce their promoter stake because it's at 87% and as per sebi norms they'll have to bring it down to 75% so that means more money which also eventually will be put back into the business so i personally i do see it's it's only up from here and they have three lines of business one is of course manufacturing their own specialty ingredients and components second is uh, contract research and manufacturing and of course the third one is manufacturing at scale for when countries are looking to move away from china uh, this is an opportunity that india or ether actually provides their clients it's like saudi aramco uh, came in as a client quite recently so i do think uh, the opportunity is huge uh, for ether it's only it's only going to be up from here now is the next generation also primed to take uh, that baton on how does the succession planning if indeed they've thought of uh, that coming along interestingly uh, i believe there was some sort of a family rift when mr desai was with anupam rasayan anupam rasayan was started by mr desai and his uh, brother in law and by the time the next generation had come in there were some issues um, you know and so when mr desai had to start ether he brought to both of his sons aman and rohan and aman is actually a phd in in chemical rohan's a specialist in finance and you know things like that uh, so he brought both the children together uh made them sit and ask them you know if they'll be willing to work together uh because eventually you know he didn't want you know the business to be split up or if they couldn't work together then there's no point uh, building up a business but they they lean on each other they quite uh, i spoke to both the sons and they they lean on each other uh they're quite happy working with each other they seem quite happy about uh, taking ether forward into its next phase they look after the day to day running of the business and um, so they say looks at the wider scheme of things you know as far as r&d is concerned the products are concerned and things like that one thing that i liked about uh, the article in the end it appears that he doesn't take himself too seriously does he where i think you probe him about what it felt to have that billionaire tag and how did he respond to that yeah he still continues to live a very simple uh, life like i mentioned earlier you know he doesn't put money into uh, all sorts of uh, fancy you know like maybe what other billionaires do in terms of generating wealth for themselves uh, it's about putting it back into the he still prefers to go for a swim in the river tapi that flows through uh, through surat i believe about 5-7 years back he and his wife went on you know and did thousands of kilometers on the bike uh, he goes to uh, to shirdi walking over 10 days 
so it's still a very simple life he says money hasn't changed him which is why he said you know uh, i don't take these tags and you know things like that seriously um so he's he's quite happy with all of that and he likes to keep it that way uh, he says that these figures are all fun i don't take them seriously so um, i think it's it's absolutely uh, something that uh, says about the guy uh, manu thank you very much for your time on this podcast uh, on that note it's time to wrap this one up thanks so much thank you thank you abhishek thank you and all you listeners uh, Uh, urging you to pick this one up and uh, to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription message Forbes to 51818